ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and that's my that's my favorite Van Halen record too. I um I can't we talked about this, but um Springsteen's not going to make it. Which what? is what? Excuse me. I don't. I'm not going to have it. Thunder Road was the the one I skipped for uh, Idiot Wind. So Dude, you I are no longer allowed it. to be a 50 year old light man. We're booting you. <laughs> You're out. 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. Excellent. Welcome to 1983. Ben, how are you doing? Doing well, man. Just back from vacation, like rested, tanned, ready. Awesome. Jeff, in the middle of a hurricane. I am, to quote in Hamilton, I'm not in the (laughs) eye of the hurricane. I'm on the outside. We got 70 mile an hour winds here on vacation, but uh, the kids are finding it very exciting. Um, So, you know, Uh, tomato, tomato. (laughs) <laughs> so they got they got a few beach days and now they get a hurricane day. Yes. Yes, that's, very exciting. That, that's a win. Um all right, well welcome to the Drive-In Podcast Network. This is 50 Years of Music with your 50-year-old white guy host uh as we try to go back through time and find the best song for each year. Before we get into 1983, a thousand listens. Who's excited? What? That's a lot of listens. That That's is a lot of listens. I was re-listening uh, to 1972, where we talked about our goal. Uh, and Jeff, you were not certain that we would get to a thousand. <laughs> I'm still flabbergasted. You thought I'm, that I'm was not 100% too ambitious. Sure that it's not you just clicking listen, 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 listen to get us uh, over a thousand. But uh. I'm, I'm pretty sure that counts. Well, Jeff, I, I, not to out your <laughs> beloved and lovely wife. Has she listened yet? No, not okay, for so one second. India yeah. listened uh, one of the days on vacation. Oh, Just, wow. She listened to half of 1981, and I was okay. like, oh, that's a listen right there. We're one <laughs> one thousandth of the way there. She didn't get to my pick if she only listened to half. Oh, man. Um, yeah, my, <laughs> wife, my wife has listened to one. It was 1975. Uh, and she was trapped in a car with me. Um, so I don't know if that counts. Oh but... Were you looking over at her like, uh, uh, pretty good, oh, huh? I, I, was look- joke. I was looking at her more than the road, definitely. Um, oh, my God. Well, and hey, so here's our next goal. Go ahead. We're going to get to 25,000. We've oh got, we're, we're going to get to 25,000. 25, <laughs> All right. It's a lot of clicking by me. <laughs> I um, do love it. Like you can set all the goals you want because it doesn't really change what I have to do, which is to show up and be snarky once a week. Right. So, yeah. Twenty five thousand. Let's do it. Well, here's what, here's what we have to do is we have to like every time we bump into somebody, we have to say, hey, uh, give us a give us a rating on iTunes. Go ahead and throw out a review because apparently 
that's how the uh, algorithm works and that's how you kind of bump up in the search for podcasts on iTunes. Well, Ben, Ben's got great experience in inventing versions of himself to cheat the Columbia Record Club. Maybe you could do the same thing for iTunes, Ben. <laughs> oh, Larry Led Zeppelin can give uh, a five-star review to the podcast. That would be First great. of all, I think that the uh, statute of limitations <laughs> on mail fraud is not run. So I do not appreciate you outing me as a thief in the Columbia Record Club. Wait, I have no idea your... what you're talking about. That was somebody else. Prank caller, prank caller. I, I mean, we're talking about 1983 now because I remember doing this very specifically in the in the house when we moved. Uh, Columbia Record. I got all the tapes, and then I wrote back saying I did not understand the contract and I am a minor. Right? And Are you that serious? The, Oh, yeah, that's the deal. And then they can't uh, pursue you. Because you're, t because you're too stupid? I mean, right. well, I think I'm, you were I'm capable of understanding the contract. No. Well, it, there may have been a, a, a bit of dishonesty. Uh, that is really the, funny. So, Tim, yeah. I never did it when I lived at home because I was worried that I would get trouble, in trouble with my parents and it actually make me buy the stupid records. But what Jeff is okay. talking about is when I got to college, I just, I joined, I just started joining like six, seven times. And I kept making up different versions of my name. And eventually okay. I got bored. So I stopped doing names <laughs> that included either Benjamin or Barton. The uh -huh. last one I created was Larry Led Zeppelin at my dorm address. And they mailed me the records. And I was like, oh, that's not even stealing. That's a gift to me. Like if you're going to mail records to Larry Led Zeppelin, I, I have nothing that, for yeah. you. That is on them. Totally. I totally agree. Oh, gosh. Oh, my All God. right. Well, let's get into the music. We start uh, every podcast with the Grammy winner. This is the Grammy winner for 1983, but it's a, it's a double dip. This is also the most popular single of 1983, which no way. in a way is kind of shocking. Because I remember Lionel Richie's All Night Long being a huge hit from 83. Um, Thriller comes out in 82, but it's Billie Jean and Beat It, which are just giant chart-topping hits. But the Wait, Grammy... it's not one of those songs? How is that no, possible? I know. Well, it could be flawed research. The, the number one hit and the Grammy winner is by The Police, and it is Every Breath You Take. No way. All right, here we go. It's the Grammy winner. Every Breath You Take by The Police. Yeah, Wait, yeah, yeah so, my bad. Tim, we've been choosing song of the year, not record of the year. That is correct. That's correct. And I actually, like, I never liked the Grammy, so I didn't even understand this. There's two different things every year. There's a yes. record of the year and a song of the year, and the record of the year is not an album because there's an album of the year, too. Right, that is correct. Are they ever I mean, the that's same? The dumbest Heard, like why are there so two stupid. different best of things? That's super weird. I, I, yeah, I, super I, weird. I, I can't remember their think. I mean, it seems to me it's a way to make sure more people get a prize. Right. Uh, but there is something. Um, uh, is there an aspect about it, about the recording and how it's recorded versus hey, a man, song have we been that's doing, crafted? Have we been doing them dirty? Like maybe the record of the year every year is awesome. And the song of the year sucks. No. <laughs> no, it's they're equally but, horrendous. But I mean, like for this year, like every breath you take is 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 good. That's a good song. I don't know. I mean, like I'm not angry at that song, but right, it's right, right. laughable to have that song be the song for this year. 
Like it should have been beat. Yeah. The record of the year is beat it. And the song of the year should have been Billie Jean. I mean, and then the album of the year is Thriller, but I mean, everything should be Thriller this year. There's like yeah. no reason why you would select anything that's not something from Thriller. All right, well, hold off on your commentary. I actually, I should probably look that up. What is the difference between record of the year and song of the year? I don't know. It's only been 15, 16 years. I don't think we should, we should mar the podcast with research <laughs> no, and credibility sure. at this no point. Need. All right, here comes the song again. Grammys seem to be living in the 1980s here. Yeah, this is actually a song that was popular in the year and not terrible. Although, also, it sounds <laughs> modern. It sounds modern. It does I mean, sound it's actually, modern. we're yeah. weirdly like getting towards the end of the, the era where a rock song could be a number one hit. Um, so we're actually yeah, that's sort of kind of true. Well, we still got we still got three or four more years before. Oh no, I know for sure. But like, yeah, yeah. Right, you can go all the way to Born in the USA to when they're playing rock songs on the radio. But yeah, okay. we're getting close. Well, it's funny you say that because I was looking at the best albums of the year, and, and it seems like there's a dying gasp from the '70s happening. Like uh, a couple albums, like Kiss, Lick It Up, it, is coming out the huh. same. It's coming out the same year as Thriller, uh, as Synchronicity, um, as uh, as Let's Dance. Like it seems, it seems like time they did take has... their makeup off. However, for Lick oh, it up. for Lick It that's Up, the did first, they? That's oh. the first album where you can see how hideous they are. They really look well, like gosh, Long Island that's... scumbags on the cover of that record, which is <laughs> really funny. All right, I'm going to delete that. So you've already got Boston pissed at you. I don't want Long Island coming after you as well. As opposed to all those wonderful people from Long Island. These are the <laughs> Long Island scumbags but who do, who do Long Island dirty because Long Island is so full of charming, you know, open-minded conversationalists. Ah. <laughs> uh. Boy, we're not gonna get anyway. we're not gonna get to twenty five thousand without Long Island. Long so. Island loves me. <laughs> Hi guys. Um, so so Ben, you think the number one hit, or or you thought the number one hit, most most uh most buys in the uh, record store would have been something from Thriller. Yeah, how is it possible that it's not? I mean, like Beat It and Billie Jean. We're so gar. I mean, like, and that the police song was big too, but we're so gargantuanly popular, right? Like the um, thriller changed, like the way that Jaws and Star Wars changed the movie business. Thriller yeah. changed the record business. Like, it sold. It eventually sold sixty million records, but it sold more records in that from that eighty two to eighty three range than every other record combined right. since the Beatles. Like, it was freaking crazy. Um, and that actually explains the way they release records going forward from there, the super album, the multiple singles, the planned rollout. Like right. they, a whole yeah, they released everything. the yeah. sixth best song as the first single, The Girl Is Mine, um, uh -huh. because they knew it would get played on the radio anyways. I mean, like the all of that stuff came from Thriller. It's just crazy to me that that's not 
the either the Grammy or the most popular. Is yeah, it we, possible that because there are five singles that they the sales of the individual singles canceled each other out and every breath you take because it's the only single from that record that really sold, eked it out? Like if you take the five singles from sure, Thriller combined, sure. they, they dwarf the sales of every breath you take, but somehow just having one to buy pushed it through or maybe. Maybe when does, I don't know. When like do, it, when do they make the uh, the video for Thriller? I mean, is that even in in '83, or does that get pushed because of no, the no, popularity? No, no, the first video. Of I, I, uh, oh, I, I should I should look that up. You're right. That's the beginning of '83. They they like they ride out '82 on the girl is mine, and then I think it goes Billy Jean. Yeah, '83. I don't think the Thriller video is till '84. Right. Remember, I think, it's oh, like I, oh, I, I'm it's sorry. like a rip yeah. off of American Werewolf in London, and yeah. it's 27 minutes long. And yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it, you meant the first video for one of the songs. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our uh, number one hit. That is our Grammy winner. Let's go on to By what the way, else is and, uh, yeah. what do we what do we think about that song like 37 years later? Like there are people who use every breath you take in master class songwriting composing classes. Like I actually run across it a lot. Why? Um when I'm looking for uh looking for to see if anybody else is teaching rock music the way I do and it shows uh -huh. that, I mean it's hilariously on every jazz bows how to write a pop song list like it's like they'll have like it, their lists are hilarious they'll be like like a steely dan song and then everybody you take like this is what <laughs> pop music sounds like it just makes me laugh every time but people go just ape shit over the the composition and the recording of this song and really? they're not wrong but it it is a little it feels so so um composed as to lacking some of the the unexpected energy of a rock song that i really appreciate i guess the bridge is pretty cool but uh, this song hasn't aged super well for me maybe i just heard it too many times but no, no, no i don't dude, i don't like, i let you slide and or i mean i let every little thing she does is magic slide but this is deep into the police i don't like i was like oh extra out on, i was out on all of synchronicity and this song in particular i found gloppy and obnoxious i just didn't care for this um and again i would have graded it on more on a curve if it was a band that wasn't capable of doing something way better you know what i mean mm. like the, yeah, he's yeah, steering yeah, totally. into all of the wrong instincts um and i just didn't like it I mean, it's such this a waste song of the and talent. Missing Sorry, You by John Waite are the same song. Totally. And it's also it's, such uh, a waste of the talent in that so band. Great. I mean, his, his voice, he, the singing is beautiful, but the guitar part is boring. The drum part is boring. The bass part's boring. Like this note, the, the, it is very crafted, but to me, like the live musicianship of it is completely missing. Um, and also, if you're and a that, jazz yeah, bow and yeah. you like this song, then you are digging the wrong part of jazz. Like, there's there's nothing interesting, know, right? or free, or loose. About Wait, this. yeah, why you guys keep mentioning jazz? What does jazz have to do with this song? Oh, I just like you know, most music teachers tend to be jazz musicians first because oh. they have to find a way to make a living. And uh, I'm one right. of the rare music teachers who's actually a rock musician first. And so when okay. I look for like, what are music teachers? teaching about teaching. composition or song craft this is one of the few rock songs that makes it and i think it's because it plays by the rules so severely that it's that jazz guys like okay well this this is craft whereas they I tend see. to think of rock music as like guys without fingers bashing away with their fists and faces at their instruments you know there's and a, also 
Sting steered into it. They, the police break up, and he puts out Dream of the Blue Turtles, and he signs the greatest yeah. jazz band of all time. That's true. Um, okay. And 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 then they put out a, a really well done and well known documentary of it, where they interview all the jazz guys, and all of the jazz guys are like, "Wow, Sting's music is so great. We love Sting's music so much, even the old police songs." Yeah. And so there's a whole part of it where Sting adopts jazz, and jazz adopts Sting. Um, and actually, see. weirdly, Dream of the Blue Turtles I like way better than Synchronicity. Huh. Well, it's because it takes more risks and it's a little weirder, right? I mean, oh yeah, totally. Also, different. you were just, you were just, you were just, um, you were being, uh, uh, you know, contrarian. Like, Synchronicity was when the police went from being a, a band that music fans liked to a band that everyone liked, and yeah, that's fair. always a little hard. Totally fair. Yeah. You know. I I mean, I remember so so sad. 1983 time. My father. <laughs> is diagnosed with cancer in the spring of 83. So we're all 13 years old. He's diagnosed with cancer. We decide that summer because the commute to radiation in Boston is so taxing. We decide to move from Andover to Wellesley so that when he's cured of the cancer, his commute to his office will be so much shorter. So my parents, this is, I think this indicates how much distress the family was in. My parents decide that we're going to school in Wellesley and my brother's actually oh going to go, go to school in West Roxbury. Uh, but for the month of September, we haven't moved yet, but we're going to go to school there. So they just put us in an, in a Pontiac Grand Le Mans Safari edition station wagon. And they just send us from Andover 40 minutes on a highway down to Wellesley into West Roxbury. Um, and I remember just the radio didn't work and we had a boom box between us. And oh. we just, we spent any money we could get on batteries just to get the boom box and have that music. And, and we wore out the police and synchronicity and, uh, and all sorts of stuff. So like father's diagnosed with cancer. We move in, the fall he dies in december of 83 oh, oh man i mean 1983 and i'm 13 years old trying to figure out what's happening in, in my own life and it's like oh what a disastrous year uh and yet one where i i feel i'm totally in touch with all the music that's happening maybe because i spent a ton of time just kind of by myself listening to tapes and listening to the radio Wow. Wow. Do you hear these songs? Do these songs take you immediately back to that? Like, are they, are they so tinged with the sadness that, of that moment that, that, that you don't have a critical distance or? That is correct. That is correct. It's like, Oh, I remember, I remember feeling totally lost. Um, but it's so funny. I didn't, it's not like I found solace in any of the songs that I was listening to. Cause I, I had thriller. I had synchronicity. Uh, I bet you there were some, songs coming out this year that would have i don't know comforted me a little bit but i didn't know them. and then once my brother started going to catholic memorial in west roxbury then we started listening to early rap uh which was totally kind of otherworldly for me coming from andover all right oh yeah the sad portion of the podcast has been brought to you. No, I'm, just brought to you I'm, just I'm just kidding wow. we don't have we don't have advertisers Ah. Uh, Let's see what else is happening. There's a 5.2 earthquake, Ben Barton. Where is it? No clue. New York in Central Park. Really? Yeah. I was a 5.2 earthquake. No, no memory of that. 
Zero, none. Uh, all right. Uh, there's the U.S. Embassy bombing in Beirut. That was terrible. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I do. The, the, the famine in Ethiopia. That is terrible. Uh, gosh. Fraggle Rock. That's also terrible. <laughs> I remember I, we didn't have HBO. So whenever we stayed in a hotel, like those were the days where like the HBO symbol in front of a hotel was like was a beacon a big in the night. Deal, right? That was a big deal, you know. And so you would get in, you would just be like, please, 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 something, something. I can't tell you how many times I'm on a road <laughs> trip with my parents. I talk them into the hotel with the HBO. We get into the hotel and it's Fraggle, Fraggle Rock. Rock. <laughs> oh my God. That was just, that. I was just like, Ah, and every time I was Fraggle Rock, my parents would be like, see, that's why we don't get HBO. Like, it, like, it reaffirmed <laughs> their frugality in a way that was so irritating. Uh, yeah. that's... So three big things that come out in 83. The internet, I think that's going to take. Uh, mobile yep. phones and Microsoft Word. Oh, my God. Those are all 83. Pretty great. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so what was the, the internet like in 1983? Was that just two computers next to each other? Right. Sending uh, back mail? I uh, mean, uh, the technical stuff I started reading, uh, I quickly became bored of, but it basically said blah, 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 blah. And that became the internet. I was like, oh, okay, I'll take that. Um, someone out there knows what that means. Maybe, maybe Al Gore. Um, yeah. You also have one of the most watched television events in U.S. history. Who's got it? Three. Is it the day after? It is not. That's a good guess, though. I mean, well done. That, it, it's not the last episode of MASH, is it? It is indeed the last episode of MASH. Over uh, 150 million people, boom, in front of their TV set to watch that episode. Did you? I'm guessing that Ben Barton did not watch that. Am no I way, right man. That? Our family watched it for sure, and they smothered the baby, and it killed us. Yeah, I remember it really well. I remember being really irritated how sad and long it was. That, yeah, that, I remember that because MASH had remember become an irritated. awful show. Oh, yeah, because MASH had become like a, a real sitcom by then. Like uh, okay. the la before they went for that last episode, I don't know if you were like my, – my experience with MASH is mostly in reruns on Sunday afternoon. Sure. Um, but like the show has these arcs, and near the end – when it's just, um, they just took all of the seriousness out of it. By like the last season, it was like Hogan's Heroes. And then they went for the jugular <laughs> in that last episode. Yeah. I was like, this is a little, I don't think you've earned the absence of your fake laugh track. You know, <laughs> I bet that's aged wow. so terribly. I bet if we watched the last episode of MASH now, we'd be like, what in the hell is this? I bet, it's, I bet that has not, right. time has not been kind to that show. That'll be, that'll be our homework. Um, all right, I've got an impossible question for you. The United States debuts the Space Defense Initiative. What was it? And was it merely a ruse to break the bank in the Soviet Union? Jeff Simons. Well, it's Star Wars, right? That is correct. It's like a, it's a missile system where we're going to shoot down missiles coming at us. How are we going to so do it's that? Like a second, well, they're going to launch a nuclear weapon at us, and then we're going to launch our own anti-nuclear weapon, and it's going to blow it up in the air. Well, right. Our satellites would be outfitted with lasers 
uh, and they would shoot down the missiles as they came to the United States. That, that, yeah, that was correct. my understanding of it. Okay. Uh, was it a real I, program? I don't have any. That's got to be all Ben. I have no idea. Ben, what do you know? I don't know. I mean, I think they launched some satellites. I have no idea. I I know that it's not capable. You're not capable now of shooting down a rocket with a laser. So I mean, that part of it is definitely <laughs> not real. Um, so, but the satellites. So you're gonna love this. In 1997, I'm teaching in Vegas and I'm coaching volleyball. And Anna Bradford is our right side player, great lefty swing. Um, and I bump into her dad during the school day. And I say, hey, he's like, hey, I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I was, I was guest lecturing a history class. I was like, oh, what? how come? He's like, well, I served in the Reagan administration. I'm like, you did? He's like, yeah, I was in the defense department. I was like, oh, that's so great. Well, what were you talking about? He's like, well, the, you heard of the Star Wars program? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, we developed that just so that the Soviet Union would try to keep up with us and thereby break their economic system because they'd spend so much money trying to do this. I'm like, wait, I'm like, are you, are you saying you, you brought down communism? And he looks at me, he's like, yeah. And then he walks away. I was like, wait, what? What just happened? So that's, that's wow. my personal story. I don't know. I could have been pulling my leg, but it's a fascinating. No, we just came up with that so that they would chase the technology and break their bank and dissolve the Soviet Union. It's like, okay, good talk. Boy, they had shitty spies then. <laughs> if that could work. I mean, I thought that Americans show suggested that Soviets were living among us, like learning the secret to Colonel Sanders' chicken and all kinds right. of things. Like they right. couldn't they sniff that out one. that that was fake. <laughs> They missed that one. All right. Well, I gave you all a, a quick question, which I think is a really hard question. Who have we left behind? So what is this? We started with 1969. It is now eight, 1983. Are there artists that you know you're not picking moving forward who you can't believe didn't have a, a role on your team as you picked these songs so far? Yeah, no, I have a bunch of uh, can't believe it. We've talked about some of them. Led Zeppelin's the most obvious one. Like I, Led Zeppelin came in second, I think three times for okay. me. So the fact that I never picked a Zepp song, especially what is and what should never be, which I just love so so much. Like I, I'm, I'm stunned that that didn't make the list somehow. So okay, that would be my number one. Yeah, I have uh, 83. I feel really firm in my selection for 83, but I'm brokenhearted. Uh, I am okay. th like, Let's Dance by David Bowie is a seminal Ben Barton song. That's a top 20 song. It's just behind the other song that I chose for this year. And I'm not going to choose a Bowie song. So that is uh, oh, so painful. Yeah. And then this is less of a giant um, artist, but this is just another album that has stayed with me that I continuously listen to now. Um, there's like five different songs from that Violent Femmes record all of which are just exceptional, awesome, super great songs. Um, I hum Blister in the Sun to myself when I'm walking all the time, <laughs> all the time. And so I'm super sad not to have that one. So oh, and then last one, I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip Van Halen, um, much to my personal chagrin. Right. Uh, I just couldn't, I mean, my favorite Van Halen songs are from Diver Down, and I just could not displace, um, I can't remember 82 or 81, but I just, oh, he's 82, right. I just couldn't. Yeah, he, yeah. 
Yeah, and that's my that's my favorite Van Halen record too. I um I can't we talked about this, but um Springsteen's not going to make it. Which what? is the what? Excuse me. I don't. Not going to have it. Thunder Road was the the one I skipped for uh, Idiot Wind. So Dude, you are no longer allowed it. to be a fifty year old light man. We're booting you. <laughs> You're out. You have to choose I'm a new identity. Fan. I know. Yeah, what is going on here? He's not going to. He's you know, that's hilarious. I, I completely slept on that. I didn't even notice. When, Tunnel of love? We, nothing? We, <laughs> when, what year is uh, Nebraska? We passed Nebraska and we, I should have Last known. year. Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, Nebraska was last year. Like, if you, I mean, I'm not going to That was it. That was the last gasp. What? I know. You chose some j- weird jam song? You couldn't help us out with Open All Night or Atlantic City? Oh, my goodness. So Atlantic wait, City it, was like top three. It was really hard, but I just... Uh, yeah, I didn't go with it because I actually well, really love the live version of Atlantic City as well. So I couldn't decide between them. You got you got Wild Horses coming up for 2019, or is that 2020? Oh, Western Stars, whatever that. Yeah, Western called. Stars, that's right, right. Oh, yeah. I don't think I, that's gonna come. That's gonna just miss. So yeah, Zeppelin and uh, Bruce Springsteen and Joni Mitchell. I already said. I can't yeah. believe it. I actually can't believe. Uh, then my two really my two weird choices that i mean ben already made fun of me for cheap tricks so i won't bother with that but uh-huh. i really love joe jackson i thought joe jackson might i love joe jackson yeah from 77 to 80 and then uh there's an australian band from the 80s called midnight oil that i ride sure. really hard for and i thought one of their tunes might sneak in here but they're not gonna there's better songs so wow what about you I... uh tim what uh what soulful crooner besides champagne which i know is hard there is one singer uh you know i did this back with elton john but i, I look at the the career and the impact on music it's like gosh darn it i'm finding a place so so my one of my all-time favorite songs is by elvis costello um every day i write the book and that's this year and i was so looking yeah it is to- I was so looking forward to picking that, and I'm not going to. And you guys are going to kill me for my choice. Um, oh, so Elvis Costello, uh, Elvis Costello, not making it for me. He's got so many great songs. That that's a heartbreaker. Um, I think I'm going to wedge David Bowie in coming up. So so I'm happy about that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's transition to our three songs. Are three songs. Uh, so um, this is the last great Sugar Hill Records song. This is post breakup. It's actually released as Grandmaster and Melly Mel, even though Grandmaster Flash has already left the label and is currently suing the label. And they put his name on the record as an FU to him. It's uh, <laughs> that's uh, hilarious. Okay, so um, Jeff, if you will hit us. With Melly Mel, White Lines Don't Do It. White Lines Don't Do It by Grandmaster Flash and Melly Mel. Fun, baby. Rock, 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 rock. 
vision, dreams of passion. And all the while I think of you. A very strange reaction. The more I see, the more I do. Baby. Highway, tell all your friends they can go my way, pay your toll, sell your soul, pound for pound, cost more than gold. Right, the longer don't you do stay, it. the more you pay. My white lines go a long way, either up your nose or through your fame. With nothing to gain except killing your brain. So great. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stop before we get to the the verse. I love that first verse. I, yeah, I mean, so yeah, that was the twelve inch. That and um, that's yeah. a great version of that song. Ben, uh, you the, just transported me back. The baseline to, to Route 128. Nice. Just driving with my brother right there. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that one. Um, it's the the music is stolen from a band called Liquid Liquid and a song called Cavern. That's the baseline. Um, and it's basically it's the end of this. Like in terms of the eras, this is the end of the Sugar Hill era. Melly Mouse got like right. another little bit more. He's like he and Grandmaster Flasher and Beat Street. He does the rap part to Shaka Khan's I Feel For You. Oh. But we're about to enter into Profile Records and run DMC. And then eventually we're going to leave New York and other parts of the country are going to step in. So this is basically where we tail end. 1982 is The Message by Grandmaster Flash. And that's also Melly Mel rapping. Right. Um, and definitely other people, you, know, you can choose that as your favorite and that won't hurt my feelings at all. Uh, this one is just so joyous and fun. And so hilarious as an anti-drug song. Uh, a personal yeah. note, I had a, a, like with the girls, I kept trying to introduce them to music and we kept having fights about it. So I eventually created what I call the super fun kids mix, where we only put on songs that wow. everybody agreed. Okay. And I kept working things in and I had zero luck at all with rock music. I just hit a stone wall. Eventually I kind of got some inroads, but I did great with hip hop. So this is one of the ones I put on it. And this is just a massive hit. The girls love it right from the very beginning. Uh, in the, the, I did the single version, not the 12 inch. So in the single version, you get do 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 bass. Oh, and as soon as bass. that dropped in, the girls were like, oh yeah, that's going to be fine. <laughs> anyway, we had this hilarious conversation about it. I remember this really well. They were in elementary school. And they're like, uh, what's this song about? And I'm like, oh, it's about cocaine. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, white lines and twice as pretty as sugar, twice as bitter as salt, like all of these different references, free basing right. is in there. And they're like, uh, and I'm like, oh, and it's an anti-cocaine song. That's why it's parentheses, don't do it. And they're like, really, it's anti? Because it makes it sound amazing. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. It's the worst <laughs> anti-drug song of all time. And in fact, Melly Mel, when he was originally doing it, he did it as an ode to the fun oh cocaine lifestyle. And oh if you dear. listen to it, that's clearly what it is. Like, right. it's just like how awesome it is, how great it is to have sex with it, how much girls love cocaine. 
And then uh, uh, when Sylvia Robinson or Rand Sugar Hill was like, you know what we need to do? Let's add an anti-drug message. So if you go back and listen to it, the don't do it and don't buy it is literally dropped in afterwards on top of the track. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's why it sounds so stupid and bad. It's hilarious. Uh, in my mind, oh, it's God. the same year, actually. There's a PSA that for Saturday morning cartoons ran, which is the um, Just Say No PSA. Where there's okay. a little yeah. kid who's in a um, New York apartment building and it actually kind of looked like uh, walking out into Brooklyn. And he walks by various people are trying to give him drugs, including a really good looking girl with a bunch of lipstick on who says, it'll make you feel good. I remember, I remember that. as a little kid, I was like, I really, really? That. Like, where would I get uh, these things? I like feeling good. <laughs> I like girls. Maybe I'm doing this all wrong. <laughs> Oh my uh, god. I remember that commercial. It's, That's crazy. The don't do it part is such an afterthought. It's like that Simpsons where they go to Camp Krusty and they're watching Krusty on TV is like, I'm leaving you with, with my good friend, Mr. Black. <laughs> Mr. Black's voice. Yeah, totally. And actually, if you go oh, to the man. lyrics, they're hilarious. So the second to last stanza is the athletes rejected, governors corrected one. And that does end yeah. on it's hard as hell to fight it, don't buy it. They could have just ended there, right? But right, no. right. Then they go back to, don't you get too high, baby, turns you on. <laughs> you really turn me on and on. Can't you come down? And the, it ends on this, like, you're high and having sex. And I was like, whoa. Hey, <laughs> hey now, cocaine. That Golly. sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to shout out a, fr a mutual friend of ours, Ben, from Haverford, Kathy Maurer. Who, oh yeah, uh, might very well be listening to these podcasts. Was my classmate and hallmate freshman year, and the first, my first memory of her is is spitting out the first verse perfectly. Like the day we arrived, we're like That's moving awesome. our stuff into the rooms, and somebody like, you know, like, well, who do you listen to? And she's like, oh, I really like Grandmaster Flash. She goes, Ticket to Ride, the White Line Highway. <laughs> Tell all your friends that you could go my way, and she just like, <laughs> takes it all the way through. I was like, oh, that was unexpected and very cool. That's hilarious. That is awesome. Yeah. All right. So end of an era for you, Ben, 1983. Jeff, what do you got for us? So 1983 was, uh, uh, I can't possibly match well, what you were going through, Tim, but um, I uh, imagine like for most 13-year-olds, not a, not a banner year right. in the life of Jeff Simons. Lots of isolation and Loneliness. Also, I have constitutional growth delay, so everybody grows a foot, and I grow like a quarter of an inch. So oh, I'm the shortest kid in, the, in, the, in the, my class by a solid foot, um, and uh, just the island of misfit toys, and I'm um, really starting to fall from music. I don't have anybody really to play with yet except Chris Love, and you know the rock duo thing is not a big hit yet. We're not, we're not like White Stripes, Flat Duo, Jets. Where, savvy. Are, you, are you are you on the guitar yet, or just the piano? Uh, well, I have, I, I'm on the piano, but I'm desperate to play guitar. So okay. I buy a used bass, um, oh, which is actually okay. a perfect uh, uh, thing into what I ended up picking. But, um, and, you know, we had this week-long camping trip as a class. And, like, you know, I just came back from it, like, just feeling like there's, you know, I am, I am an island unto myself. And I, uh, I went to the record store because that's where I usually work these things out. And I bought two records. I bought War by U2, Woo. which uh, it was really, really hard not to pick New Year's Day, which I just absolutely love. Um, but I also bought this record, and it's the one I'm going to pick. And uh, Ben has already mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Um, 
the Violent Femmes' first record. Oh, I'm so glad! <laughs> so perfect, and and just like a shot in the dark, and then they never can recreate it. Like between the first and second record, the lead singer Gordon Gano converts to fundamentalist Christianity, and so all of their future records are half Violent Femmes, half proselytizing. And they burn out quick. They make two more records and break up. And then they've been on the like reunion, make a bad record, tour, break right, up right. carousel since like 1990. But the first Violent Femme record is incredibly great. Uh, they stick to the script. It's 10 great songs. And they're, um, but the, it's the bass playing that first really drew me in. Um, this guy, Brian Ritchie on, on bass. And I learned how to play the bass playing along to the first Violent Femmes record. I, I mean, awesome. that's just... That's how I learned how to play. Like I just sat down and like and when I could play all of those solos in Baby Please Don't Go, I was like, okay, I can play this thing now. Um, but the song I'm going to pick is not Blister in the Sun, even though I just love it. I'm going to pick track two, um, which for me uh, sums up everything that mattered about that record to me. Um, and because it wasn't, uh, it isn't overplayed, I still get excited every time I hear it. So my song is Kiss Off. By the oh, yeah. Kiss Off by the Violent Femmes. I need someone, a person to talk to, someone who care to love. Could it be you? Could it be you? Situation gets rough, then I start to panic. It's not enough. It's just the habit, a kid, you're sick. Well, darling, this is it. You can all just kiss off into the air Behind my back I can see them stare They'll hurt me bad but I won't mind They'll hurt me bad, they do it all the time Yeah, yeah, yeah they do it all the time Yeah, yeah, they do it all the time They do it all the time They do it all the time So awesome. So great. Yeah, you could great play stuff. that you could play that baseline at 13? Not very well, but I mean, after a year <laughs> of being alone in my room, I was pretty good. Like I definitely yeah. uh it would be well bass and I just clicked. Like I was a pretty good piano player, but I was pretty quickly a pretty good bass player. Um and uh but also just like I mean that that is exactly how I felt all oh, the time. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Like that song, that 47 seconds, like I, I might have been sitting in math class quietly, but that's what that's what I felt like uh, all the time. So, and hey, and, that's uh, the one that has the one, one at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. The big yeah. countdown at the end. Oh, man. I eight, love eight. It. I forget what eight was for. It's just oh, great. Oh, yeah. It's great. You know, <laughs> everything, great everything, 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 everything. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. They have a great origin story, too. They were busking the three of them in uh, Milwaukee in front of a show. They would like, they would set up in the street because the drummer just played a snare drum. It's not a full kit. So it's upright bass, snare drum, acoustic guitar. So they would set up in front of concerts and play to the line. And one night they're playing, I can't remember what show it was, but they're playing and a Sire Records uh, talent scout is there to like, you know, fluff up the band that's playing inside. And he walks by and he's like, what in the hell? Are they? And so he signed them put them on slash records which was their like little wow. mini subsidiary but but they almost didn't make the record because they were so amateurish my I mean, richie's the only guy who can really play and like it took a lot of practice and a lot of they put him in a um 
like one of those studios that's like also a place where you sleep and like it's like upstate New York and oh, wow. uh, <laughs> they had to run the songs a lot to get usable takes and like the band almost broke up two or three times but um, oh wow but yeah that but then uh, the uh, the and the, you know the outtakes are hilarious like the outtakes sound like a high school band like they put out a deluxe edition with like alternate takes and some of the alternates like I can't believe the band let them release this like they really sound bad. But they've got it just right. At one of the greatest debut records of, I mean, I, I mean, there's probably a better debut record, but maybe are you experienced? But it's got to be in the top five greatest debut records of all time. It's well, just, the I thing that it. I love about it, 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 where they never put out another record, is it's such a singular statement on what it's like to be a teenager and then just to be clear we're 50 year old white guys like right came yeah. out when we were 13 like yeah it couldn't be more perfectly aimed at us right fans um, is a middle east uh middle midwestern insult for a gay guy and so yep. the violent femmes thing is a direct address of that and then the entire song is just that the entire record is just that emotion over and over and over again. Like I'm just boiling inside. I'm so mad. I hope this is you know this will go down to your permanent record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just the best. But and and that being said though, like they age out of it and that's it. You know what I mean? Like that's what's so great yeah. about it is it just captures it perfectly. It's a singular work of art. Every song works together, and then that's it. That's what they had to say, and they they shuffle off. Yeah. And there aren't that many bands that that where the first record does everything about. Oh, the band. it's super weird. I agree. So it's really, really perfectly. strange that they they didn't write any more good songs because, like, every song on this record is great. Like, it's just a fantastic wall to wall record. Well, yeah. Murmur Murmur also comes out, and and REM seems to be tapping into something similar, like not refined, a little unpolished. Um, yeah, that's good. I actually I, had a Maxell XL2S 90-minute tape with the Femmes on one side and Murmur on the other. And I mean, those records are linked for me because you remember how it was. Like, you didn't waste right. battery rewinding. So, like, I just yeah, listen to one, listen to the other, right. listen to one, listen to it, listen to one. I mean, I must play that tape <laughs> once every day for a couple of years, you know. Well, I, so thinking of REM's trajectory, and at some point, Ben, you're going to tell us an REM story, but but I think I'd rather have the Violent Femmes like burn out rather than have them record Everybody Hurts like 12 or 13 years down the road. Well, the Violent Femmes have made a bunch of bad records. You just don't, you don't have, you haven't had to suffer through them because they didn't even puncture remotely. They put out a record when we were in college. They're really? called Three, which has, uh, Is that I mean, the American sucks, music like, song? No, it's the one with the song Fat. Remember oh, yeah. that one? And <laughs> no. yeah, it's just it's it's Fact. oh, they're just like a um, they're just like a parody of themselves. It's such a bummer. Oh. And I remember all of us trying really hard to like it because like oh, Violent Femmes, you know, we had such fond memories, and uh, it just you know it just fizzled because it's just not good. All right. Well, these are two awesome choices. I I guarantee I, I've never played either of those songs for my children, and I'm gonna make sure I do it today and just kind of gauge their reaction. I have played my song uh, for them many, many times. As a matter of fact, they, they're sick of it, and I'm sure they're going to drag me for my choice. Uh, but I actually have the best song from 1983 here. A song, uh, it's an R&B song 
written for Marvin Gaye. Unfortunately, he did not get a chance to record it. Um, it was a number one hit on the pop chart. It was a number one hit on the adult contemporary chart. And in search of a little diversity on our program, it was a number one hit on the country charts. It what was? Song? I don't think what? I've got the right song then. Oh. <laughs> it was a song written for Marvin Gaye by the Bee Gees. So it's got your disco, it's got your R&B, it's got your soul. And because it was recorded by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, it also has that that's a little thinking. bit of country. Oh, Islands in the stream. Could you pick it up, Jeff Simons, at the one minute and 30 second mark? Go. I got to tell our listeners that 99% <laughs> of the time when guys pick a song, I just go to my iPod library and boom, it's right there. But right. I am having to go to YouTube <laughs> for this one because uh, Islands in the Stream, not in the yeah. library of thir 32,000 songs. That, I, my, uh, that is on you, young man. And I want you to focus what? on Dolly's voice. Uh, you're picking it up at the one minute, where, 30 Where second am I going? Mark. One minute, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Right. Dolly, Dolly's voice breaks my heart. Islands in the Stream by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. I mean, it does, doesn't it bring a smile to your face? No. <laughs> Hold on, Jeff, you got an echo. Uh, all right, you're yeah, good. I got we're good. Okay, so so yeah, that, good. that does not bring a smile to your face. I cannot, I cannot believe Ben Barton. Ben Barton. It's the longest I've listened to that song. I was like trying to punch the radio <laughs> button. Like, next station, next station. Young man, do you have tenure at your job? I do. You, can't, you cannot say that in Knoxville. Oh my gosh. Oh, listen, I I actually like Dolly Parton and I've seen the coat of many colors and uh, <laughs> I will be happy. My, I, I didn't listen to it. My, my wife listened to the whole podcast. I know she's a hero here, but that is not her finest day. I don't <laughs> like that song. I just don't like so, so can a person make our podcast just for being a really good person? And the answer is yes. The woman in her time has helped save the bald eagle in eastern tennessee she's donated 
over 100 million books just this year alone to help fight COVID. She donated a million dollars to Vanderbilt's uh, Medical Research Center. She delivered the 2009 commencement at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Ben, do you remember the speech? I was not here. Oh, no, I was here. I just forgot it. No, what was the speech? <laughs> I have no idea. But anyways, I love Dolly Parton. Uh, I love that vocal performance. And Kenny Rogers gets to make our podcast as well. Who's had a... Oh, okay. <laughs> no, seriously, dude. You're in a hole. Stop <laughs> digging. All right. I mean, I'm being quietly... I'm being respectfully quiet. I was going to say the other thing Dolly Parton did, which was very nice, is she made Kenny Rogers relevant again for about four minutes. That was, I assume that's why she agreed to this. Because Kenny was like, you got to help me, Dolly. I'm sick. Like I spent all my money on uh, on mustache grooming no. materials. You've got to help me out, girl. <laughs> and she was like, "Of course, anything for you, Kenny." And then she sang that one take and was like, "Are we done here? Am I done? Okay, probably not." She also, oh. I, I, she began her career. Tim, as, hold on, hold on, dude. Listen, go ahead. Like, if, if you had chosen Jolene, that would have been great. Like, that would have right. been an yeah, A man. plus yeah. selection. Even if you had chosen nine to five, I would have been like huh it's weird you didn't choose jolene but sure you can't i mean islands in the stream is just not okay i would have seriously i would have taken kenny rogers the gambler like All i would have right. been like now well at least talking. it's not islands in the stream thank goodness what about the coward of the county do you like that one too oh <laughs> no um so what's interesting here is here's the thing you we started with every breath you take we end with islands in the stream Right. Yeah. These are right. two songs that in their craft are pretty damn similar. Right. They're, they're at a similar tempo. Yep. There is similar verse, chorus, verse, bridge modulation thing going on here. Right. But everything Perfect. that's wrong with pop music is <laughs> Islands in the Stream. Everything that's wrong. Like you could make you could make every breath you take into Islands in the Stream really quickly. You change the keyboard sound to that right. just unforgivable thing. You twang it up every breath you take. I mean, it, it's, you it would be it. really easy to take every breath you take and turn it into Islands in the Stream. Islands in the Stream is like a master class in all the wrong moves. Did you, the uh, opposite of Tom Cruise's 1983 movie, stop, All the okay, Right Moves. Stop, stop. See what I did there? Did, yeah, I, saw, I saw you did that. Go ahead. Tim or Jeff, do you guys know? This has got to be the last number one hit written by a Bee Gees, right? This is it for the gifts. Oh, has to be. God. Yeah. This is it for the Gibbs. That's right. It's a pretty, I had no idea it was written by them. That's amazing. That's for actually kind of crazy. For, for Marvin Gaye. Can, yeah. you, can you picture an R&B version of this song? Totally. It's, you can picture an anything version of yeah. the song, which is why it's, which is why this version is so unforgivable. <laughs> like if you had a solo acoustic guitar and Dolly Parton singing the song quietly, oh, yeah. Much better. you would be like, some of these lyrics are really cheesy, but I forgive them. The line making love with each other yeah. is really funny. Yeah. Like who That's else are you really making love funny. with? I'm like, I love it. I love the need for the prepositional phrase. I'm making love with you, person I'm singing with, with each other. <laughs> That made me laugh again listening to it here. You just want, but yeah, clarity. but no, you could make a version of this that would like wouldn't sonically irritate you. It still might not be a song where you're like, "I'm carrying this," but this is just oof. I do. I mean, think... you could hear the Bee Gees version, right? I mean, you can hear them doing it with those chip monkey like. I'm in I mean, yep. it'd be, it would fit wonder... in on the. 
I wonder what uh. I picked in 74, because Jolene would have been an awesome call. She wrote, she wrote Jolene and I Will Always Love You in the same day. And they both made That's it to- That's a good day. Both made it to number one in the country charts in 74. That, that could have been a great pick. Uh, well. Was that, what did you pick in 1974? Did you pick um, Lyndon Arden stole, was that the nine minute Van Morrison year or was that 1979? No, that's 79. 74, uh, 74 was a questionable choice because the next year I came back with ACDC. So it was definitely a singer songwriter in 74. I'll, I'll check. That's great. Poor Dolly. <laughs> Was it Gordon Lightfoot? What? No, that was uh, that was here. that was seventy or yeah. It, it was. Oh, I, I did well. It was Living for the City, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, that's eh? a good song. Yeah, yeah that's that is, a good. That's song. A good All right. That's good. All that's right, fine. gentlemen. That's, yeah. Um. So my the the cred has dried up with these islands. Yeah, the find this, again. This is like like the Ben question about you and your taste, like. How did you go from uncertain smile to islands on the stream and be like, yeah, those, I'm, that's an aesthetic that's making total sense to me, you know? <laughs> Interesting. I think you were, I mean, like, you know, you were sure it's sad. You, you were searching. This is the, uh, your soundtrack is the soundtrack of a kid searching <laughs> for a niche, right? Um, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make it up next week. Next week, you guys will be so proud of me. It'll, you'll forget all about 1983. Uh, as will I, gentlemen. 1984 has got. That's going to be interesting because I'm pretty sure my pick will be somebody's pick, and I have a backup. But uh, 84 has got a couple of undeniable songs of the year. I think we'll see. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. And one one giant album. Um, oh yeah. You, all right, you guys, be good. I'll talk to Thanks, you soon. Thanks, friend. Peace. Later. Later. Thanks for listening to 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. If you like what you hear, leave us a good review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And come visit us on our Facebook page where you can weigh in on who actually had the best song of the year. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a beautiful different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wannabet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wannabet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.